Hey guys, today's episode may be triggering for some, so if you are underage, please have your parents approve this episode before giving it a listen yourself. And if you have a blistered relationship with food or you're sensitive to the my way or the highway conversations, I highly recommend that you just avoid this episode and I will see you back here for episode 24. I'm adding this disclaimer after the episode has aired because many of you have said that it was triggering and I too felt like it was triggering and I should have added a disclaimer like this before it went out and I'm sorry to those that have listened to the episode already and as a result felt less than because of it. I am a very sensitive individual and sometimes I get triggered by certain things and I chose not to put a disclaimer on here because I felt like I was being too sensitive. But now I know that when I'm feeling triggered, it is a good idea to put a disclaimer like this in the episode so that you don't have to deal with it if you don't want to. And that's totally okay. I never want anyone to walk away from the podcast feeling like they're doing something wrong and that they're less of a keto warrior because of it. If you end up listening to the show, there are a couple things that I would like to highlight um, so that you know my stance on certain things. First off is that there are going to be different guests on the show that differ from opinion to opinion. Some of the things that our guests say, I don't agree with. And if you follow my YouTube channel and things that I put out myself, then you know that that's the case. Sometimes if I have a good relationship with the guest, we can have a conversation about it. But oftentimes these are the first times that I've met the guest and I'm letting them chat about their views and what they believe in. But If you feel like you would like the podcast to go in more of the direction of, you know, me having on a guest and then me talking about what the guest says afterwards that I can give my advice and my thoughts, please send us an email by going to info at ketodietpodcast.com. Send an email. Just let us know what you think. I'm totally happy to change up the show to make it so that you love it. There's another piece on doing keto wrong. You may feel like after listening to this episode, like you're doing keto wrong. There's no one way to do keto. I believe this. I practice this. I see this every day. So if at the end of the episode, you're thinking, oh, I don't know, like I shouldn't have done that and I shouldn't have done this. No, how you are doing keto right now when you are listening to your body, tons of self-love, respect, all the things that we practice and that um, we've worked toward. You're doing it right and I want you to believe that you're doing it right because you are. You're listening to your body and that's a huge thing. Lastly, my thoughts on intermittent fasting. I practice it when I need to. I've seen the benefits in myself. I've seen many benefits with my clients. People that don't want to practice it don't need to and people that love it can do it. Just remember, always listen to your body and if you're pushing yourself to do intermittent fasting, probably not a good thing. But if you're using it like I use it for traveling, which gets really convenient when you just don't want to pack food with you, then do it up. So let's cut over to the actual episode. I just wanted to add this to the episode so that everyone is on the same page. You're listening to episode number 23 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Today we're chatting about signs you need to decrease your workouts, healing your body with keto, and working out fasted or whether or not you should. So stay tuned. Hey, I'm Leanne from healthfulpursuit.com and this is the Keto Diet Podcast, where we're busting through the restrictive mentality of a traditional ketogenic diet to uncover the life you crave. What's keto? Keto is a low-carb, high-fat diet where we're switching from a sugar-burning state to becoming fat-burning machines. If you're in need of keto recipe food prep inspiration, I've prepped a free seven-day keto meal plan exclusive for podcast listeners. The plan is complete with a shopping list and everything you need to chow down on keto for seven whole days. Download your free copy at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash keto meal. Let's get this party started. Hey guys, I hope you're having a wonderful first couple of days of March. We've changed the layout of the podcast a little bit this episode, so I'm excited to hear your thoughts. I hope you love it. It'll make it so that the intro is a little bit shorter, so that's exciting. We can get to the main content quicker. So the show notes for today's episode, along with the full transcript, can be found at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash E23. 
The transcript is added to the post about three to five days following the initial air date of this episode. So before we get started with the show, I just wanted to chat a little bit about partners because there's been some talk in the reviews and also the emails I've been receiving about why the podcast has partners and what the deal is. So I like to be super transparent with this sort of stuff. Basically, when I first started podcasting, I had no idea the work that would have to go into it. It's really deceiving. It takes a lot of man hours in order to get the show out every week. We have an editor, recording equipment, transcriptions, podcast manager, quality assurance manager, and so much more. So the partners of the podcast help to pay for the cost of running the podcast. And without the partners, there wouldn't be a show. So all partners of the podcast, the blog, YouTube channel, and anything that I put out there are brands that I know, I love, I use, and I think that you would benefit from them too. I'll never, ever, ever partner with a brand that I don't totally adore. So this music alerts you that an ad is coming and I try to coordinate offers that everyone will enjoy including international offers, US offers, Canadian offers. I hope you're loving the offers that suit you and see that all of this free content on the podcast that we pull together every week partners make up such a small amount of that and much of it can benefit the listeners. So with that said let's hear from one of our awesome partners. My friends at Manitoba Harvest are now partners of the podcast. Manitoba Harvest, the hemp-based food company, has just added a new product to their already amazing line of scrumptious, naturally low-carb hemp products, toasted hemp seeds. They are whole hemp seeds, lightly toasted and seasoned with either sriracha seasoning or sea salt. They're crunchy super snacks, perfect right from the bag. Each third cup serving is 2 grams of net carbs and 18 grams of fat. I enjoy bringing a baggie along with me to the movies or sprinkling a handful on salads. With 13 grams of omegas in each serving, you really can't go wrong. Get 15% off your Canadian or US-based Manitoba Harvest order by going to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash hemp and using the coupon code HPTOASTED. That's H-P-T-O-A-S-T-E-D for 15% off, valid until March 31st, 2017. I know you're gonna love them. We got three quick announcements. The first is that when you pre-order my book before April 11th, you receive a shopping guide, an exclusive savings guide, access to my private Facebook group, and so much more. The exclusive saving guide gives you really awesome discounts on my favorite low-carb goods, discounts you won't find anywhere else. Plus, you receive up to 42% off the book depending on what promotions a specific book sites are providing at that time. Unfortunately, I have no control over what the book sells for, but sometimes I know on Amazon and other sites, they have uh, little sales here and there. So if you have pre-ordered the book or you're thinking about pre-ordering the book, you can go to ketodietbook.com. I'll include a link in the show notes. And once you've pre-ordered, you can go to that site and scroll down and enter in your pre-order details. And then you get that exclusive bundle, which is really awesome. And also I'll be going on tour. If you haven't already RSVP'd and you live near or in the following cities, you may want to do that because some of the numbers are getting quite high to the point where we're going to have to cut off some of the registrations, which is really exciting. Some of the places can only hold a couple hundred people and we're getting up there. So the following places, New York, Atlanta, Houston, Austin, Chicago, San Francisco, Seattle, Vancouver, BC, Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, and we're going to be adding a couple more locations over the next couple of weeks. So make sure to check ketodietbook.com forward slash tour. And that's where you can also RSVP. The second announcement is that I'm creating a bunch of new content for the podcast and I need your help. I want you to tell me what content to create. I want you to tell me exactly what you're struggling with so that I can help. Please take two minutes to fill out a quick survey at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash survey and tell me what you're struggling with. 
And when you submit your survey, you'll be entered to win a hundred dollar Amazon gift card. Again, that's healthfulpursuit.com forward slash survey. The link will also be in the show notes. And the third and final announcement is that I will not be going on the low carb cruise. Originally, I had planned to go on the low carb cruise. I was going to speak on the low carb cruise, but with the book tour and book launch the way that it is and how distant I've been with my friends and family over the last year of writing this book. After the tour, I really need to focus on balancing out and getting some self-care in and seeing people that I haven't seen in a really long time and spending time with family. So as someone who uh, actively promotes self-care and listening to your body, it's something that I realized I just, I can't do it all. I can't do it all. And the low carb cruise was going to take me away from home for another 10 days after being on the road for over four weeks for the book tour and having not seen some friends since I started writing the book. So sadly I will not be there, but if you're planning on going, you're going to have the best time and all the talks look really, really interesting. So I can't wait to hear how it goes. So today I am interviewing Stephanie person. You may know her from her YouTube channel. Stephanie started educating herself regarding keto adaptation by trying to drive ketosis in her mother, who was suffering from a terminal geoblastoma brain tumor. They gave her six months to live, which prompted Stephanie to take an aggressive approach to slow cancer growth. She dramatically lowered her carbohydrate intake and raised her dietary fats, and immediately her mother's cancer growth stopped. She is now in her seventh year of being cancer-free. After her mother's cancer remission from a low-carb, high-fat diet prescription, she then applied nutritional ketosis principles on herself and was able to enter and maintain ketosis with incredible health improvements. She has since coached close to 100 people on the keto diet and focuses on the importance of stress and how it plays a role in their failure to adapt. This is something that I chat about quite extensively in both of my programs, Fat Fueled and The Keto Beginning, just about the stress and looking beyond the macros and taking a look at what could be going on that's uh, in your way of adapting or feeling the best on a ketogenic diet. So Stephanie and I chat for a bunch of minutes about all of these things with an undertone of how she balances her training and workouts on keto. So we talk a lot about looking beyond the macros and, you know, looking beyond calories and what's going on, what's the root cause of what's happening in addition to a bunch of stuff about workouts and how to merge keto with your workouts adrenal dysfunction we touch on. So it's a really well-rounded podcast. In the episode, Steph connects delayed onset muscle soreness, also known as DOMS, to the health of your gut. I wasn't able to find anything after the podcast that related to this. I chatted with a couple people. I couldn't make the connection. And I just wanted to mention that because I feel like I have a responsibility for that since we're putting this information out there. I don't want anyone to think that I missed this piece. But if you have seen this cross relative reaction and you know of studies that support it, I would love if you could email info at ketodietpodcast.com. I wasn't able to find anything but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. I just wanted to give you a heads up because I feel like I should. So I hope you enjoy. Hey, Steph, how's it going today? Amazeballs, as usual. I love it. Totally. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on the show. For listeners that may not be familiar with your work, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Okay, so I've been online talking about keto for almost four years, but I've been doing it for nine. And people who've gone to my website have heard me talk about how I fell into keto, which was my mother had a glioblastoma, which is a deadly, the the most deadly form of brain cancer. And the research on keto, because I'd heard about it prior to her diagnosis, got me into the hearing about it got me into researching it like crazy and trying to apply whatever I thought was my, my version of keto onto her which at that time obviously was the, the not the correct protocol because I just didn't really understand how it worked. But nevertheless, nine years later, she's still alive. And in this process, I started doing it. I used to personal train people and then I applied it on to clients and here I am today and I'm in it, like I'm thick in it. And th- that's just how I got into keto. So prior to that, I used to be a pro skateboarder and stuff like that. So 
That's awesome. And what's your approach? Like, how has that changed over the years? Because you mentioned when you first got started, it maybe wasn't the right thing. How has that transitioned for you? Like, what what is your stance on it now? Before I was eating a lot of nut butters, like crazy nut butters. I wasn't eating cheese like crazy because I've never been a big cheese lover anyway, but I ate cheese, a lot of almond butter, peanut butter. I didn't understand the gut, the hypothalamus pituitary axis. I didn't understand REM state cycles. I didn't understand people with polycystic ovarian syndrome. I didn't even know what PCOS was. I didn't know anything about autoimmune. And I didn't know anything about people developing any type of inflammation, C-reactive protein inflammation. I didn't know any of that. So how you apply keto as far as a lifestyle regarding sleep and stress management and gut health and food sensitivities and the way you think. I didn't I didn't consider that at all. I just thought eat a bunch of fat and I didn't really care about where the fat source came from. So that's how I've evolved big time. And it's actually been through experimenting with clients when I first was applying keto onto training clients, which I don't personal train clients anymore. And that's where I started to see some of the negative and positive responses, depending on what people ate. Mm, Yeah, huge. And you train quite a bit. What's kind of your training schedule? And how does that look like for you with keto? Okay, so my training schedule is, to me, my training is about kind of my meditative part of the day, or it's my playground part of the day. Because I remember when I was in elementary school, you're like, ah, the break time out. We're going to go out to the bars and mess around and stuff like that. And I take the same type of emotional approach. So I don't work out anymore for my endurance or to build muscle or to get lean or anything at all. I only work out to use my body like I'd be in the wild, but I'm not in the wild. So you've got to kind of mimic some of those motions. So I've added a lot of calisthenics into my workouts and people will start to see me doing like bar stuff or handstand stuff. So my, I do still lift. It's really important to keep the bone density nice and strong on a female body once you hit that 50 range mark. So I still believe in hypertrophy done in a smart way, which is to build muscle. And uh, yeah, so my schedule, I don't really go to the gym and do like two body parts and one day off. I just go six days a week and I train way under my max way, way under. I train really moderately, meaning like I don't get my heart rate up too crazy. I don't overuse particular joints or muscles. And I do a lot of time under tension. But my version of that, which is negative training, which is you go slow when you release. So if you do a bicep curl, you lift your arm up. That's positive, a positive motion, which is more of explosive, depending on how heavy the weight is. And then as I go down, into a negative fashion, then I'll do a three second negative. Now Doug McGuff does from 15 to 20 negative release. That's way too long. I don't think it's necessary to contract that long. And so I'll do three second negatives with dumbbells. I use a lot of dumbbells and I use circuit machines for my legs because I busted my knee as a pro skater. Otherwise, I'm just walking in. I'm seeing if I go to when I walk in the gym and I see what's available in the weight room, I don't go, I don't have a schedule because I'm no longer trying to build my traps. So today I'm, it's the trap day because I'm really trying to build my traps, um, which most women don't try to build their traps, but that's an example. Or I go into the weight room and I see a lot of women doing deadlifts because they're so obsessed with building their glutes. And I'm like, don't forget to work the front of your body. You're just all back of the body, back of the body, back of the body. And then that can off- offset your posture if you build one part of your body more than another. So I just try to use the entire body every day. And I don't train to my max, so I don't go through soreness, which also, not to ramble, I'm not catabolic because I'm in a state of ketosis, which means I'm going through less gluconeogenesis, which is the breakdown of of proteins, and use for glucose. So when you're less catabolic, you're less sore, which is why I can go six days a week without soreness. I don't need branched-chain amino acid supplements or anything like that because I'm more anabolic in a state of ketosis. And so therefore, when I go, I just kind of play around at the gym. And that's what I do. That's, that's it's cool. a bit winded, but there's the answer. <laughs> and uh, other than being in that anabolic state, how else do you use the keto diet to support that activity? Like, 
Are there different training days where, you know, you're eating different things or do you just kind of like eat keto and you train and you do your things under your max and life goes on? (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people want me to do a day in the life of Steph because they want to mimic that. And I'm like, I'm nine years into this. Like I can fast for 20 hours and I'm good to go. You, you fast for 20 hours and you have insulin, physiological insulin resistance or hypoglycemia and it's, it's not in your, or your adrenals become over exacerbated. So for me, when I, when I train, I don't have to like consider like what I consider is a circadian rhythm, right? Get up, break the fast. Now, Potentially in the wild, they wouldn't necessarily break the fast because they went through feast or famine. They wouldn't necessarily have breakfast to eat. But if they didn't have something to eat, they were were about energy conservation. So people get that twisted with the intermittent fasting. They get up, they don't eat, and then they think that they're doing a a lot of liver, gut, and kidney clearance when really the adrenals overfire and then it's just a domino effect of like a negative response within the energy cycle of the body, unfortunately for the modern human. So I get up to a breakfast and I digest the entire breakfast. I'll probably go work out four hours after I've eaten my breakfast. And a lot of people can't model that schedule because they have a job to go to and they can't just go, you know, it's late mid morning, I'm going to go work out. So all I do is I have the proper ketogenic macros all day long, and including my breakfast, and then I'll, I'll go work out. So I'm not strategically at this juncture, at nine years down the road, trying to do a pre-workout MCT, which is a medium chain triglyceride coming from MCT oil or coconut oil or partially butter. I'm not strategically doing that. Whereas in the people that I work with, I might create that in their pre-workout and Mm -hmm. post. What recommendation would you have for somebody that's maybe just starting off with keto and their training regimen is pretty high? What can you tell people to kind of get over that hump of, you know, that groggy feeling that comes when you're first fat adapting? What do you tell people in, in order to get through that process? Okay, cool. In the beginning, it's it's trying to fat adapt. So they're not actually fat adapting in the first steps of doing mm-hmm. it. They've actually just have to train their body to develop the enzymes to even break down the fat to use it. So that's actually the very first step. And in the very beginning, the brain is so addicted to glucose that it actually rejects. Now, you can make ketones, and you might actually even use it a little bit when you first, especially when people try to fast in the beginning to drop their glucose or or lower their blood glycogen. But the body has a rebound effect because it gets hit really, really fast to what you're doing, and all of a sudden the blood sugar shoots back up and the ketones drop. So when you work out, you have to consider, it doesn't matter if you work out, it doesn't matter if you have a job, you have to put your body more in a parasympathetic state of calm. So because we're overlit, we're overstimulated, our brains are overstimulated, the brain uses up a lot of energy. If you want to train your body to uptake ketones, because we can all make ketones. Anybody who eats carbs, right? A lot of bodybuilders will, will do this. They'll, they'll fast for six hours, boom, you produce ketones. But we want those ketones to be viable to be used within the Krebs cycle and to be uptaken in the cells. So when you work out, you have to ramp your workout down because working out is catabolic. And so catabolism is to break down. You can't have your body break down, especially speeding up, breaking down the amino acids and converting them into sugar. So what happens when you can't put your body more in a calm state when you first do keto is that it will go to any muscle tissue or anything where there's protein, skin, collagen. So people can actually look quite ill on keto if they do it the wrong way. So it'll take from bone marrow, it'll take from skin, it'll take from muscle, it'll take from the muscle under your neck, the tricep under the belly, and just blow it up to bits, which messes up your endocrine system. So there's no simple answer. It's not like Okay, well, when you go work out, you just ramp it down. You have to ramp it down. And I have people use, this is where the glucometer is fantastic. You go, you test your blood sugar post-workout. If you have a high glucose number, that means you're super catabolic. Even if your workout wasn't intense, because the body is chronically under stress, it's just the adrenals are used to breaking down amino acids and spiking the blood sugar because that's its protection mechanism if you were to live in the wild. And so... Some people can't even do a ramp down workout. I'll just have them take a walk. That's how like 
low to moderate a workout can be depending on how damaged a person is. But generally, if you're going to work out, if you're a CrossFitter and, and you're not young, <laughs> you're not under 25 or 30 and you have any sleep issues, any inflammatory issues, any skin issues, any issues at all, you're going to have to ramp down your workout, even though you visually look perfect physically, it's quite potentially just because you're younger and your hormonal system and your cells are stronger than somebody who's in their 40s. But always ramp down your workout if that's the long of the short. Ramp it down hardcore and then slowly as your body begins to adjust to eating the fat and then slowly using the ketones, then you can slowly increase your workout back to where you were once before without being hypercatabolic. So what what number should people shoot for? Like what would you consider a high glucose number after the workout? High glucose number, anything under 80 is is wavering keto, being keto adapted. You could have blood glucose of 86 or a 5.2 millimolar or 5.4 millimolar uh, for the rest of the world and still use ketones. But you never really have that friggin' energy. You just don't have it, so you're using a little bit of both. It's when the blood sugar goes under 80 and the ketones are between a 1.8 and a 3.0 and you do a journal and you regulate like you're journaling your energy and your sleep quality, REM state cycles, then you're good to go. If your glucose post-workout is under 80, you're most likely using viable ketones. So... And your ketones in the right range and you feel well. It's like a couple of things that you have to consider all at once. It's not just the numbers. But you want that glucose under 80 because if you have good GLUT4 receptor development, which are these special little hands or receptors or receptors catch things and pull things into the cell. If you have good receptor, GLUT4 receptor, that means that if you produce glucose during your workout, you can clear it out. So that doesn't conflict with the viability of ketones if you have good GLUT4 receptor development. And a lot of young, younger people, especially guys who are already athletic, have that. So that's why they tend to do better on keto than some women do. And also having more regulated, you know, not having to deal with the PMS and the low iron from menstrual cycles and all this kind of other stuff that will put stress on a woman's body. But under 80, that's what you want if you're adapted. And if you are... On your way to adapting, you can get as high as 86. 86 is pushing it. But like an 85, you could still be in that adaptation phase, and it would be considered normal if your glucose was 85 post-workout. But I would say it's better to have it under 80. More on my interview with Stephanie Person after this message from one of our podcast partners. The show is partnered up with Paleo Valley, the makers of the only 100% grass-fed and finished fermented beef stick. Each stick contains 1 billion probiotic CFUs. We all know how important fermented foods are to the health of our gut and the strength of our immune system, especially during cold and flu season, as well as boosting our energy throughout the winter months. Chowing down on Paleo Valley's fermented beef sticks provides your body with all of the beneficial bacteria it loves in one convenient little beef stick. Their gut-friendly sticks are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, GMO-free, freaky chemical additive dye and preservative-free, as well as being 100% free from carbs and sugar, and made with the highest quality ingredients. Exclusive to listeners of the show, receive instant savings of 20% off Paleo Valley fermented beef stick snacks by going to paleovalley.com forward slash keto. And if your jaw is just tired thinking about beef jerky, it's worth noting that these tasty treats are not tough at all, but moist with a little snap. The summer sausage flavor even tastes like those hickory summer sausages, but without the gunk. Seriously delicious. Again, that's paleovalley.com forward slash keto for an instant 20% off savings. Beautiful. And you mentioned kind of mitigating that breakdown, you know, you were saying like blasting through like tricep and all that, all these areas, belly fat and things like that. Mitigating that is really a matter of 
not just checking your glucose number, but also making sure that you're sleeping well and also ensuring that I'm sure like eating enough, would that count? Like I can't tell you how many women specifically that I meet that are on a ketogenic diet, they're working out substantially, they're not eating enough, they're blasting through a lot of their energy, they're exhausted, they look sick, (laughs) and they're wondering what's wrong and why they can't build any more muscle. Do you think that eating enough has a place in, in that area as well? It's not just eating enough, it's eating, it's everything. Like it's not in general, it's like it's eating your macronutrient profile, ketogenic breakdown is critical. So it's eating the right amount of protein, not too much. It's eating the right amount of fat, never too low. And if you're eating cruciferous vegetables, then you don't have to worry about your carbs, but a lot of people are having bacon and sausage and other foods that have hidden sugars in it, or they have, might have a sensitivity to to cheese, the casein in cheese, and the mycotoxins and the, the phytic acid in nuts, and they might have a gut issue that's preventing them from adapting because they have low vitamin D or B complex, they're not getting their Bs in, and if you can't get your nutrients into the cell, then you're not going to adapt. So it's timing of food, type of food, it's sensitivities and prior damage to the body. And then it's your workout type and duration, load, the quality of it, essentially. So a lot of people, most people, I'm going to say kind of like pretty extreme things. Most people do keto the wrong way. Most people do. Because they think that that they can adapt on they, they, people are, we're still living in a society where people need to grab the food, stick it in their mouth and run out the door. And it's got to be very pleasurable. Like there's got to be like a dopamine response when you're eating the dairy, for example, or the nuts, right? You know, with salted nuts and you put one in your mouth and you need another and you need another. These are, these are kind of like dopamine responses when you're in serotonin responses, when you're eating something, you want another one, right? With the, with the, I think Pringles did uh once you have one or once Dorito. you pop the fun, don't stop or something. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly, that's the problem with keto. People become afraid or they're living a life where they're so busy that they don't have time to pre-prep their foods. And when you're hungry and you're not adapted, you will just eat something that could be an allergen to your body and you're not adapting. And then you're going and working out on that with a lot of force. A lot of women go and they overtrain because they think cardio and lifting heavy is going to give them results. And they don't have the results. They don't. They don't. We know they don't. So visually, remember, the body is a reflection of everything. The body is just a book. Look at somebody's body. And if you understand the physical body, you can read the body like each page. Oh, They most likely have this going on, this going on, this going on, this going on. You can see estrogen dominance in women because they don't sleep well, because they don't mind the foods that they're taking in. If they're doing a vegetarian aspect of keto, they'll do a lot of soy products. You know, people aren't thinking about the BPAs. They're not thinking about the blood sugar dysregulation, poor sleep that's keeping them very, very estrogen dominant. So when you do keto, there is the right way and there's the wrong way. And most people do it the wrong way because they want it to be easy. If keto becomes too complicated in their mind, then they look for something that might appear more easy. And so when you're working out, you can't just lift heavy when you're trying to get results because you're going to become hypercatabolic. So there's a woman I spoke to yesterday, super sore. I was like, that's not normal. She's like, no, no, I worked really hard. I haven't done push-ups for a long time. And I go, um, that's not normal to be super sore. And she's like, but I haven't done push-ups. And I'm like, okay, but you started off saying that you were extremely sore. And that shows me that there might be something going on with your gut. And, you know, people, she's just like, I said, I'm not sore after I work out. And she's like, yeah, but you, you've been doing keto a long time. And I'm like, yes, I've been doing keto a long time. And she goes, but you're like, you're like extraordinary. And I'm like, nope, I'm not extraordinary. I'm almost 50. I'm not extraordinary. I've had, had other health issues in my life. It's about making sure that when I work out, I don't overtrain ever, never. I know exactly my limit. You know exactly when your blood pressure gets too high, when your breath increases, when you become exhausted. And people keep thinking that 
getting gains on the body is about no pain, no gain. If you're not in pain, then you're not going to get the gains. That is not true. The only time no pain, no gain is applicable to keto is cutting out all the that people are eating and they're addicted to it. And then they feel emotionally, you know, pain that they have to get rid of this food. But your workouts always have to be ramped down and they have to be methodical. And then you have to look at the high quality of ketogenic foods. It's not just not eating enough food. It's commonly due to eating poor quality proteins, protein shakes, things that spike blood sugar, processed foods, sausages, non-grass-fed meats. It's like poor quality meats. These are things that people don't consider. And then they'll eat, their, they'll eat too much protein because, they're, because of the fear of fat. And then eating that too much protein is spiking their blood sugar, keeping them catabolic. So I don't know. It's, it, there's a lot of aspects. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely never one thing for sure. I'm I'm curious about the connection. Like you said, delayed onset muscle soreness or DOMS could be related to the gut. Can you explain that a little bit more about what could be going on with the gut and how that could relate to people being really sore after a workout? Yeah, because we grew up eating. And so the gut wall is compromised, your colon, like you you have these tight uh, gap junctions uh, on the colon wall and they open up. And so when you're eating wheat and you're eating dairy, I mean, some people have, here's the thing about dairy. People are like, so like, why can you have like, you know, butter, but you can't have cheese? Well, butter is primarily just the fat from the milk and the cheese has the casein in it, which is the proteins. There's two types of proteins in dairy. There's whey and casein. These are growth factors to take a little baby calf and grow it into a big bull. So we don't know how that's going to affect the human body. But within a lot of like med, what is it called? Med studies, the, the observational studies, a lot of studies are starting to see correlations between lots of weird stuff going on, like, like the celiac disease and the inflammation and, the, and children with autism and all this weird stuff. And so you got to factor in those two proteins that could be irritating the human body because this milk is for a baby calf, not for a human. And so these things can, can, especially wheat can, because wheat has been genetically modified, right? Right. So you've got wheat, which is X amount of chromosomes long of proteins. And the shorter the amount of gluten, which is the protein in the wheat, then the more like it tastes. So if we lengthen the amount of gluten, then it's going to become softer and delicious. So over time, we have hybridized and modified the wheat grain to have more gluten in it, which it appears clearly to tear up the guts of people. So children who've got violent behavior or, or adults, people who've got chronic inflammation, autoimmune disorders, they're starting to tie everything to what wheat has done to the gut lining. Unfortunately, the brain then does a thing called cross-reaction. It can't see the difference over time between the wheat, the rice, the barley, the sprouted, the oats, the dairy. And people who got the, the protein and dairy sensitivity so bad that even butter they can't handle or even ghee. It's so bad. The gut has been compromised. Big particles of food can now enter the bloodstream. The body doesn't understand what that is, so the body begins to attack itself. And that's the autoimmune connection. And so people walk around, blood sugar dysregulation, they're eating. So they, we grow up on bread, and then we're eating foods with pesticides and preservatives. This compromises the gut lining. Then the blood sugar goes up and down. That weakens the gut lining when you're eating a bag of chips and some juice, and then you don't eat for four hours, and then you drink a coffee to get through your day. That compromises the gut lining because it can't heal with all the other extra load coming in. So you start off with these foods that irritate the gut lining and then you eat these other foods that exacerbate the problem and then it can't heal. Then you're stressed because the modern, the body doesn't know we live in the modern time. The body thinks that we're outside, but we're not. So we keep eating mono foods, like we'll have potato chips every day, we'll have potatoes every day. You know, we're having foods that are not to, to our design to digest, foods that are too high in carbohydrate, Foods that, uh, you know, make the blood sugar go up and down, dysregulate the blood sugar. And then all of this extra toxic load, stress, family, texts on the phone, watching TV, reading in bed, bumping your elbow, like all of these things plus poor sleep create an envir environment where the gut can't heal. And then like 
candida starts growing out of control and then you've got infections in the gut and now the immune system is down and now you've taken antibiotics and that screws up the gut even more. So you have all these things coming at you that you would never develop if you lived outside. If you lived outside, you wouldn't be able to fight off infection and you'd be starving. Like those would be the two major problems. But now we've got all this toxic load and then we don't sleep. So that's why when you try to build muscle, I'll see these guys, I'll be like, oh, their testosterone is low. Or you can see when a woman's super estrogen dominant when they're out at the gym, when you can see their physical body in less clothing, and you've got to consider the toxic load that's dysregulating their hormones. So these are the things to consider when you're, you're going like, well, what's the gut workout connection? If your gut is hemorrhaging vitamins, you're eating food, you're not absorbing anything. You're trying to do the ketogenic diet, your body's not using, uptaking the fat. I see it all the time. They produce the ketones, they just don't use them. The stool starts floating because they're not absorbing the fat. It's going right through them. Their gallbladder is all screwed up. It's not breaking down. They don't have the bile salts to break down or they don't hold the bile salts to break down the fat. These are the reactions to the gut being compromised. It's a big, huge domino, domino effect. All these other things going wrong in your body. You can have a gene mutation like the MTHFR gene mutation. You can have other physical problems that your body is smart. It will know how to balance itself so you can still a keto adapt and still build muscle even though you've got, let's say, a family genetic propensity for something. Your body will learn how to protect itself and still survive, but the, the entire environment must be safe for the body. That means that sleep, stress management, high quality foods, even breathing the right way or standing or sitting the right way can help to in total if you have a gut problem and you have an overgrowth of, of bacteria and your immune system is compromised, that if, if you balance all the other things in your life, then the gut will start to heal. If the gut is compromised, if you have holes in your gut lining, you're not going to absorb nutrients and you're not going to build muscle. Yeah, so it's really, there's so many pieces to it, like you're saying, and, and really what I'm hearing from you is balance, 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 and like picking apart each thing and improving sleep and the foods that you're eating, the quality of the foods. So it sounds like there's a lot, there's many, many pieces. And by having this toxic load and poor sleep and stress and inflammation is causing that delayed muscle onset muscle soreness, among other things. Is that fair to say? Yep. It means that your catabolic soreness comes from either not getting enough nutrients for muscle repair or your, or essentially that's what it is, or your body's hypercatabolic because you're skipping meals and drinking, drinking a bulletproof coffee and running out the door and the body's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not adapted and there's no gasoline in the tank and you're driving a car in fifth gear. So if you don't eat something, I'm going to go and I'm going to break down your muscle and I'm going to do it in three minutes so the brain can get some gasoline. And that's being catabolic. And that's when people start to develop adrenal insufficiencies and then it connects to the thyroid. And that's why I don't like 20 versions of keto. That does not exist. There's only one. And the one way is to heal that body as you're trying to adapt. You can get your macros on point correct and still have problems because you didn't address the prior damage in your life that we all have. Nobody's immune to any damage. So yes, soreness comes from... Like technically it comes from breaking down amino acids and converting it into glucose. But why is your body doing that? People need to go down the rabbit's hole and find out the initial where the first problem started or like if a guy has low testosterone or a woman has polycystic ovarian syndrome or they, she has hypothyroidism or her thyroid stimulating hormone is too high. You have to go down the rabbit's hole and find out what you did to your body because you did it. You did something to that body. Now you might've been born with your mom eating poor quality foods, which will affect your DNA. But once you understand that they didn't eat well, like my mom smoked when I was in her belly. So you go, how was my genetics affected by what my parents ate before and lived? Okay, so I'm born with these problems. Like some people are born with eczema, right? They have skin issues from the jump. Okay, so now that you have skin issues, what are you doing to balance that inflamed body, because that's what the skin is when it's when you're having any lesions on the skin that's inflamed. So what are you doing to make that that inflammation worse? Or what can you do to make it better? All of these things have to be considered when you're doing a ketogenic diet protocol. 
period. And that's what people don't talk about. I think I'm the only one that talks about it at nauseum about you could have food sensitivities. That's going to block you from being able to adapt. You might have sleep issues. That's going to block you from adapting. If you have PCOS or hyper, hypothyroidism or hyper, your blood sugar might run high. Or if you've got insulin resistance, we got all of these things you got to figure out. And that's why I'm speaking so, you know, pedantically or whatever. I'm being so serious. It's because I've hit a wall. I do consultations every day with people with such severe issues and they just want to know what the macros are. I'm mm. like, it's way beyond macros and if you can eat cheese or not. So yes, yeah, soreness comes from something where your body's breaking down. And now we've got to go and find out what's what started this whole cascade of muscle soreness. It, it went way back. It didn't just start when you did keto. It went, it's gone back years on how you became hypercatabolic. Yeah, you bet. And I, I guess that would apply also to people that feel really depleted after a workout. Like, you know, they, maybe they don't do their max, but I know when I was recovering from adrenal dysfunction, I mean, I could walk too long and just be completely exhausted. So I, it might not matter on the intensity of the workout, but I guess what you're saying is that soreness, or even if you're feeling depleted after working out, you need to look at more things than just adjusting your macros. Yeah. I mean, are you sleeping? Are you hitting enough REM state cycles during the night? Because you can have adrenal fatigue or insufficiencies and adapt. But if you have adrenal insufficiencies, you got to go way slow. You got to slow stuff down. Like you got to come home from work and you got to chill. Like you're at work and you know, you're, uh, you have all these responsibilities. You got to look at it another way. If you have relationships with children or with partners, you have to deal with people in a different way. And everybody's so hypersensitive. When I do consultations, people often act like I'm grading them. They'll give me, no, I'm, but I've been sleeping better the last week. And I'm like, you're not being graded on this. Just tell me the truth. Because with the truth, we can go down that rabbit's hole and find out what the real problem is. So if you've got adrenal insufficiencies, then everything that you do has to go slow and easy and take the time to reflect and to breathe and to, you know, it's just, you're right. It's very, the body's very, very complicated with you, with adrenal insufficiencies, then you have to eat every, you can't skip breakfast. If your adrenals are fracked up, you can't just go and throw coffee in because what's that going to do? Stress out. (laughs) And you can't skip a meal. Well, I'm not hungry. Well, if you're not hungry and that's why you don't want to eat breakfast, did you ever consider the fact that your stomach acid is low and that you're not digesting your food and it's just sitting in your stomach putrefying, rancidifying all night long? And then that keeps inflammation high and then that keeps your adrenals overfiring and then you just never get better. People always are exhausted and it's so many moving parts to why you're exhausted. Like people don't eat or they eat too much protein, they don't eat enough fat or they're skipping meals or they're not listening to their stress button, turn off the stress button, decon- deconstruct, don't take things so personally. So if you if you go online, you see what all the trolls say, I'm like, dang, these people are really, they, they are responding to a video, who cares? Care about how your mother is, you know, family member, member or daughter or your health, or care about something that's gonna more impact your your emotional, strength in the moment rather than making a comment on the video. So really see how people are hypersensitive and that will block your keto adaptation because your adrenals, your hypothalamus pituitary axis and your adrenals are overfiring. Yeah, completely. I see that a lot too. It's like, why are you stressing about some video on YouTube? Like take a chill pill, <laughs> watch some Netflix, just chill out. <laughs> Seriously. Like who gets, I get so many trolls. And I just, I don't, I like in the beginning you, you just, you think, because we're, we have to catch up to technology. I mean, if we feel uncomfortable and on an airplane, it's because we're still mammals that should have our feet on the ground. Our endocrine system has not adjusted to technology yet. That's why a lot of people have all these disorders, even if they have a weakness within their genetic gene structure, within their DNA. If you can manage, if you balance, like we said before, you said about balance, if you can balance this particular physical stress with this particular physical action or thought, you can heal. But if, if people, uh, like where I used to do videos and people say, Oh my God, you're talking too long. I'm like, so like the way they do it is so I want instant gratification. 
you're not speaking the way that I want you to speak. And now instead of like reacting off of it personally, because I'm not, I don't know these people, I have to catch up with the modern time. I just delete block move on because that's the only way I'm going to keep my sanity. And um, so that's what I'm saying. Like everybody's in, what makes us very individual is how we deal with stress. But genetically, we are more alike than we are different. Mm, yeah, something that I've started practicing is like mental health before anything else. <laughs> and that's been actually really helpful for my own healing and, and staying on focused on myself is just like, is this improving my mental health, and really putting my mental health as priority, you know, engaging in negative comments, that's not going to help me, you know, and, and staying focused. More on my interview with Stephanie person after this message from one of our podcast partners. The podcast is partnered with Vital Proteins, my favorite collagen brand of all time. I use their collagen peptides in my daily Rocky Fuel Latte to add body-loving protein to my cup without changing the taste or making the mixture chalky, like regular protein powders can do. And their gelatin, I add a couple of scoops to warm dishes like spaghetti sauce, gravy, soups, or stews, and nobody can even tell the difference. And when I'm out on the go, I always have a couple of their stick packs hidden away in my purse so that I can add them to my coffees or teas when I'm out and about. Vital Protein's collagen peptides are sourced from grass-fed, pasture-raised bovine hides to ensure a natural, high-quality, and sustainable source of this ancient nutrient. Collagen is the most abundant protein in the body, ensuring the health and vitality of our skin, hair, tendon, cartilage, bones, and joints. Vital Proteins and I are working on a brand new offer for all of you, but in the meantime, the coupon code VPHP10, that's VPHP10, is up and running and there to give you 10% off plus free shipping. Now the free shipping is just US based, but everyone can benefit from the 10% off on all of your favorite Vital Protein products over at vitalproteins.com. Now, you mentioned a little bit earlier about fasting and adrenal dysfunction. What are your thoughts on fasting with working out? Like you mentioned, you eat and then you wait about four hours until you train. What are your thoughts on waking up, fasting, doing your workout and eating later? I mean, people are either going to love what I'm saying, going to say, or they're just going <laughs> to because they're too hypersensitive. I don't know. Fasting is dieting. We've replaced the names, these diet trends over the years. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to go to conventional doctors and they throw medicine at you. And then they want to up the dose. So what I'm saying is, I know that we're like, where is she going with this? You're hearing things from medical experts saying fasting is great. And so then we believe it. Then we're told that, you know, butter is going to give you a heart attack. And then we believe it. It's like people don't take a step back and just analyze things for a second. Okay, so if somebody is not eating and they drop weight, we would say, that's not healthy. You should really eat something, right? Yeah, it's a paradigm shift. Yeah, completely. Yeah. You're looking at it completely different. Yeah. Right, but it can be the exact same actions. Like when everybody did the HCG diet and they dropped their calories down to 500, well, that'd be fasting, isn't it? You're giving nice liver and kidney clearance and you're giving your gut a break from all that digestion. But people became hyper sick on the, the HCG diet. Their immune system got cracked up. They start gaining the weight double back because you have to consider how the body works. Don't just listen to diet trends. Don't even pay attention to keto diet in a general swoop because you're gonna, you're gonna screw your body up. I say to people, keto is either gonna help you or it's going to kick your ass and hurt you. And that's the same thing with intermittent fasting. Now, I've worked with over 3,000 people, and a lot of them have fasted, and none of them are healthy because of it. Not one person. Not one. When you deprive your body, here's the thing. We're not hunter-gatherers. We constantly are overlit, so our adrenals never get a break. Never. They don't. If, I had, if you guys could see me right now, I have my computer on Skype, I've got my cell phone in front of me. Why do I have my cell phone in front of me? And then I got my iPad next to my cell phone. I have three devices right in front of me. And you know what? If we weren't on this subject, I, w I wouldn't even be thinking about it. It's just, it's auditory. It's just like, it's just what I do. It's just, it's just like, it's right in front of me. That's what I do. 
but those devices are, are going to overstimulate me. So when you fast, okay, if I ask you this question here, Leanne, if you're not adapted and you're fasting, you get up in the morning and you go to work and you don't eat until two o'clock, where's your body going to get the energy from? Yeah, well, not fat because you, you're not fat adapted. So probably um, muscle. Right. And why that. would your body go to the muscle? Because it doesn't know that fat is an option. <laughs> it's not fat right. adapted. What's, what's it going to do with that muscle? Break it down. Eat it yes. up. That's right. And use it as energy. Because the brain uses so much energy. Now, if we lived outside, mm. we would take breaks, right? Totally. You see people like when, when they, they sh- you show these like remote village tribes, people in like the Amazons, the Amazon forest, you'll see they're chilling. They're communal. They're releasing stress. Now, I mean, not all the time because they have to go through getting food constantly, but that's one stress. There's the environment, there's fighting between people, there's infection, but we're stressed. The amount of decisions that we have to make is beyond measure to what they, they would have to decide. Their focus would be, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I need to eat. Let's go get food. I'm tired, I'm tired, let's rest. I'm sick, let's rest. But we're like, I'm sick. I have to go to work. I have bills to pay. So I'm not going to listen to my body. I've got to go to work. You know, I've got to make these 20 decisions right now. And that's going to crank my adrenals up to a level that it's laughable what what our hunter gatherers had to go through with the fight or flight syndrome. So what you're saying is more just like listen to your body. And for you, you know, at the beginning of the uh, episode, you were talking about how you're able to fast easily for 20 hours. But granted, that's because you've been eating keto for quite some time. And that's just very natural for your body. Okay, well, let's just put it this way. It's not natural for my body at all to fast. I also am a very adrenal person. I'm overlit. So I know when, like, I fasted because of when I was in Asia, and there was literally nothing I could stick in my body that was safe, so I opted not to eat until the very next day. That's the only time I'd ever fast that long. The body has incredible detoxification pathways that if you just ate properly and got some dang sleep and had enough electrolytes, your liver, your kidney, and your gut will clear itself out on its own without forcing it to. So you're going to force yourself to have all this clearance while you're running around and over overstimulating your adrenals. I mean, it's counterintuitive. The body's going to rob from Paul to give it to Pete. That's not balance. If you don't eat something and you are not adapted and you wake up in the morning, your body will become catabolic. It'll break down muscle, convert it into glucose, and send you out the door. Now, some people will go and fast for a week and their blood sugars were always in the hundreds. And then they fast and it drops. They're like, Stephanie, my blood sugar dropped when I did this, when I, when I fasted. I'm like, okay, let's give it time. Let's just wait. Up oh, three weeks later, the blood sugar shot back up again. The blood sugar will rebound. So sometimes taking a break and all the shite that stuff people are eating is actually a break to the body. People eat too fast. They eat poor quality food. You're darn right that's going to put less stress on the body. Eating food is a big, it's a job. It's like, I try to explain to people, if you eat at night, really late, the body's like, I'm trying to chill out. Like This is the melatonin, parasympathetic part of my day of relaxing. Eating is work. It's like building a house. So the body doesn't digest as efficiently as it does in the day when there's more cortisol in the system. So it's a very hard load. So yes, sometimes when people aren't eating, they'll notice improvement on the short term. It's the same thing when you see things with like vegan diets. So people will see a a period of time where the body actually is like, thank you for cutting out all this crap and all this processed food and focusing on more whole foods or plant-based whole foods, but then the body rebounds over time. So if you don't eat, you put your body at risk to stimulate the adrenals, to produce more adrenaline, then cortisol, then break down amino acids through gluconeogenesis, and then that's the problem. People's adrenal insufficiencies worsen, they start losing their hair, their thyroid becomes underactive, and this is what I see over and over and over again. And then you get guys who are like 25, like, bro, I fast and I got the best results ever. Totally, totally. 
Yeah, and I'll be like, well, let me hang out with you a day. Well, let's work out for a week together, and let me see how low your energy is. You know, so it's very subjective. People see the scale go down, and they're like, I'm losing weight. That's all that matters. That's what one woman woman said. She goes, I'm losing weight, and that's all that matters. I'm like, okay, so you don't care if you're losing, like, bone marrow and bone, and what about the skin under your neck? You don't care about those areas? Okay. Flabby belly? Okay. Let's just look at the weight on the scale. So anyway, sorry. I'm going off on tangents. Clearly, I've got a lot to say, but yeah, which sorry. is why, which is why I wanted to have you on the show because you're so passionate about what you do, and I know that that translates so well. And I have so many other questions for you and so many things to chat with you about, but we've totally hit our time, and we'll have to do a part two. Yeah, totally, because there's so much on this topic, and I think we just like touched a little bit of the iceberg, but there's like so much left underneath so i definitely would love to have you on the show again where can people find you if they want to learn more or work with you or watch some of your your videos at first i just want to preface to people um i didn't realize i had eaten up all that time but keto i just want to say this so people understand because i make keto sound negative if you really work hard like you're training for the olympics to understand your health where you came from who you are go down that rabbit's hole and learn more about your body than the effects of keto. The, the, the purpose of doing this is beyond measure. It is the most amazing experience that you'll ever go through in life once you're fully keto adapted. And it should not be easy, but it only works for those who are willing to put down the work. So I don't want people to be discouraged on doing keto. I just want them to take it more serious and do not look at it as a diet trend, but as a way to improve your health vitality into anti-age it's amazing so with that said you can reach me on my website which is stephanieperson.com like a person like a human being mm -hmm. stephanieperson.com my facebook fan page is stephanie the business person not as in business as in the physical body being the business my instagram is stephanie ketogenic and i'm going to australia next month to do a keto tour so be looking out for that and i do 30-day challenges only to teach people how to adapt and not to lose weight. I want to teach people how to get healthy. That's my whole purpose. Brilliant. I love it. And I love that inspiring message at the end there too. I couldn't agree more. So thank you so much for mentioning that for sure. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you reaching out to me and I love what you're doing, Leanne. So thank you. Thank you very much. And the show notes for today's episode and the transcript as well can be found at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash E23. And that does it for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Thanks for listening in. You can follow me on Instagram by searching Healthful Pursuit, where you'll find daily keto eats and other fun things. And check out all of my keto supportive programs, bundles, guides, and other cool things over at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash shop. And I'll see you next Sunday. Bye.